1-800-636-5009. You can get into the studio and talk to us about anything you want. UTEP Game Week. We'd love to talk about the minors. We'll talk about uh, anything on your mind today. In fact, we've got uh, the A-team, one half of the A-team. I know uh, Andy Emfeld's going to stop by here in about 15 minutes, talk about the busy week for um, El Paso Chihuahuas baseball, which will get started at 6.30. How about John Teicher coming on with us at 5.30 from Hudson's Grill and beginning another season of UTEP football with Dana Dimmel? That's coming up tonight. Yeah, Steve, I'm so pumped for this one. Hudson's Classic Grill will get things started. Saw all the great promotions all throughout the day talking about this one, and it's the first time. I mean, John really comes out of hibernation officially, and this is the first time he officially hits the air for the 2023-2024 academic-slash-athletic season. So I'm really excited about that, and we get to regroup with John Teicher, voice of the minors, entering year 43, Steve. Oh, it's going to be amazing. 43 years, it's it's. It's hard to believe. I mean, seriously, that, you know, John uh, has been doing this for almost uh, the um, since like 1980 or 81 when he started. That's that's remarkable. So we'll hook up with John coming up 90 minutes from now. Plus, uh, we've got, uh, you know, really to me, what's uh, just going to be a fun show today. Uh, a lot of uh, good guests and more than anything, Adrian. Um, you know, we're trying to pack it all in. We don't have a lot of time. We only have 90 minutes because of Utah football. So for us, I think the key is how can we give our listeners the most bang for their radio buck over uh, the next uh, 90 or so? So you think about what we've got, uh, number one, uh, not just the A-team today, but then we also have Mario Moche at 5 o'clock, and he's going to talk about the first home game for New Mexico State when uh, they're going to be battling it out against UMass, a game that can actually be seen nationally on ESPN. A lot of people talking about how USC and uh, you know one of the best running backs in the nation will be on the Pac-12 network, and ESPN gets New Mexico State to start zero week. Does that uh, is that included in the Conference USA deal right there for New Mexico State? Um, regardless, it's great that they are on national television, just like UTEP. They're on CBS Sports Network. It's great that these Conference USA teams can now call the Aggies a CUSA team, by the way. That's right. Are on national television. That's awesome stuff right there. Hey, meanwhile, speaking of awesome, how about the fact that you're going to be hosting a minor watch party at the District West? Uh, 3233 North Mesa, Suite 103. You will be there um, with raffles and giveaways during the game, hosting Minor Talk after the game live. They've got tons of drink specials. We've got minor watch parties at the district all season long, starting off with Saturday's big one. That's right. I'm so fired up about this one. We've asked our listeners in the past, uh, you know, if we had a minor talk watch party out there, would they show up? Uh, Now we'll find out, Steve. I'm looking forward to this one right here. I think that um, the minor talk community has been strong throughout the years. This is our fifth year doing this, a fifth season uh, for UTEP football and men's basketball. Well, we sprinkle in some women's basketball throughout the season as well. Uh, but this is a really exciting time. We're really looking forward to this one right here. Um, I've already talked to people for some giveaways, and it looks like we're going to have some really cool stuff, apparel stuff like that. Really? And, uh, yeah, fun giveaways. Oh, you've got merch. Yep. I mean, that is that is huge. Um, is, uh, is UTEP hooking you up with merch? No, they are not. Okay. All right. I'm just curious if that was going to happen or not. 
So that's that's still, I mean, have you asked or you haven't even asked? No, yet? I haven't asked. I should. All right. You should. Why not? See what you can do. Definitely. That would be uh, that would be very cool. Um, I'm excited, though. Excited about uh, today's show. Excited about the week and uh, really ready to get uh, ready to get football going. I don't know about you, but, you know, we, I'm still I've got a couple of fantasy leagues I'm still handling right now for football. My fantasy college football league is almost underway. That's exciting in itself. Finishing up recruiting and getting our roster set. And then uh, before you know it, here we are. It's uh, zero week and games going on like crazy. Yeah, that's the interesting part about this kind of week right here because everybody gets their fantasy football drafts in. The people are scheduling them left and right um, at this moment. And I think everybody's kind of putting together all their off-season research that they have, whether it's NFL fantasy football, some play college fantasy, some just like watching it. They're just ready to watch some live football games. Uh, and it starts Friday night with us, football. Friday night gets underway, and then, um, of course, Saturday rolls, rolls around, and we will have some UTEP football to finally talk about. By the way, um, football Friday night is going to be amazing in itself because the way we're going to have it this year, we're going to kind of spend the first four or five weeks during Chihuahua season and give you a, a, pre- a pregame preview before the baseball game starts, and then we jump right into live action as soon as Tim Haggerty gets off the air. That's also going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I can't wait. I mean, also, you know, and no knock to Chihuahua's baseball, but these games are going faster now. They're they're finishing uh, much faster because of the pitch clock, and we might hit the air as early as 9.30 or maybe 10 o'clock this Friday uh, to give everybody the recap as they're heading home from the high school football games. They can catch all the scores right here on 600 ESPN El Paso so with football Friday night and of course our hosts Paul McKinnon Bo Bagley back in action here uh, uh, coming up for another season nah, I can't wait so as we said folks there's so much going on Adrian mentioned the Wander Franco uh, story with him being placed on administrative leave look we don't know if Wander Franco is ever going to play again we just don't we have no idea how this story is going to unfold when it's all said and done and the investigation concludes. Right. This is such a, a disturbing story, if it's true. I mean, even the alle- um, allegations are pretty disgusting right there. And, yeah, this is a, a serious issue right here. The Dominican Republic has investigators on it. Major League ba- Baseball has investigators on this. And, uh, you know, the fact that they are putting him on administrative leave at least tells you that the early news on this is not positive whatsoever. And by the way, it's not like he's being investigated for a relationship with an underage girl. It is alleged relationships, plural, with underage girls, plural. That is the crux of the matter in the Dominican Republic right now. And we know how serious that is. And ultimately, we'll find out if that will uh, involve criminal activity and the end of Wander Franco's career or if when everything is investigated, they find that it, there's inconclusive evidence and he gets to resume his uh, his baseball career and baseball life. You know, one of the interesting parts uh, of this is it's not just the uh, people who are specializing in the the minors, but it's also those who are specializing in gender violence who are directing the police investigation uh, when we're talking about this one right here. So when you bring the gender violence side of this, you're talking about potentially sexual assault or sexual abuse abuse throughout this and of course it's all talking about minors uh plural in this situation that's true line ringing in 505 
getting going here on the program right now as Sports Talk kicks itself off on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Just 90 minutes as we get you ready for John Teicher and UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. I know one of the questions asked is, will John be taking questions on social media? To me, the answer would be absolutely yes. Um, so if you have the opportunity, send those over to us, and that'll be fun. You can definitely message us on uh, on social, and we will pass that along to John. Or you could just tag him at UTEP Minor Voice. He is at UTEP Minor Voice. So 530 for UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. And love the fact that John mentions grab a burger and a shake. That is the ultimate right there from our friends at Hudson's coming up tonight for the season premiere of UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Something uh, we are also very happy about around here. All right, uh, once again, 505-6009 if you want to get in. Saw Chris Vanini's CUSA preview today in The Athletic. He actually took Conference USA and divided it up into three tiers. Three tiers. Tier one was Western Kentucky and Liberty. Tier two included UTEP along with Middle Tennessee, New Mexico State, and I'm trying to remember the others in Tier 2, Adrian. Maybe you can uh, help me on this. Uh, what, were, what are we talking about right the, here? The Vanini story on CUSA, okay, the three tier, tiers. Uh, the Tier 2 teams included New Mexico State, La Tech, there Middle Tennessee, and UTEP. La Tech, right. And then we have Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, and... FIU, I FIU believe. In the third tier. Correct. That is, that is correct. And by the way, somebody asked me, is that... Is that does that seem right? I'm like, yeah, it does. I mean, UTEP has not shown the ability to be in tier one for anything in Conference USA right now. So yeah, I feel like tier two is very fair. And even though many believe UTEP could have a better season than Liberty, who kind of fell off last year, Liberty's success in football, what they've done prior to coming to CUSA. Uh, in my mind, yeah, I think that's justified putting them into Tier 1. Right, and Liberty also has a new coach in Chadwell who's a, a proven winner at the Group of Five level, so I expect his transition to Liberty to be a lot easier than others expect. So I think Liberty's going to be good right out of the gate. I think so, too. Orley's going to kick us off, 13 pass, before we talk some uh, Chihuahuas with their homestand starting again tonight. Orley, what's going on? Well, I was telling, telling um, Adrian right now, during the, the telecast of the baseball games, if, if they could have live or give updated scores on some of the high school games during the broadcast, if Tim could do that, like, you know, here at, in between innings, you know, here's the updated scores on some of the scores of the local high school teams. Is that to wait till 930? Uh, that's, that's all. I mean, it, it, would, it would help. Sometimes I'm out and about and I try to listen to it. I agree, and we, we've uh, we've already talked to Tim, and we will figure out a way to incorporate high school football scores into those Friday broadcasts. Trust me, we're we're on that. And the district is telling, uh, when you go there, try the rolled tacos. They're, they're good. They're I mean they're juicy, and you try those, you'll never go back to Chico's. 
All right. By the way, we're talking now. We're not talking flautas. We're talking roll tacos. Roll tacos at yeah, at the district. Yeah, right. they're they're very good. All right. You have you can have either green or red. What do you like? I like them both. Okay. So there's not yeah, one. There's not necessarily one preference or the other. You don't, you yeah, like both roll tacos. Yeah, I like them both. Uh, if we I mean, mention if we mention that Orly sent us. Do we get a discount or do they charge more? Everybody <laughs> go who? Yeah. Who? I, I you know I don't need an extra twenty percent on my bill if they hear your name mentioned. So I got to be careful with that. I was just curious well, if you've got I'll a go deal. The one sometimes right there on on um, on Piedras, the old Joe John and Mark's bar. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's that's good. There's there's some good food in El Paso, really. I mean, but you, you try the roll tacos. They're good. You'll enjoy them. Thanks, Orly. Appreciate the recommendation. Yeah, thank you. There he is. Orly and restaurant tips here on Sports Talk at 15 past the hour. I like that, Adrian. Now, add that to the list of things to eat when you're at the district. Roll tacos. You know what? I'm in. I was uh, definitely going to go for the 99-cent wings that they're going to be mm. having on Saturday. I think Sal will go for those instead. He's yep. the wing guy, so I'll uh, stick to the rolled tacos. That sounds like a good plan. Terrific. All right, so that's all happening here with us on Sports Talk as we continue. A little bit later, John Teicher, but first, we'll take a timeout, come back after D. Wu gives us this traffic report with Andy Emfeld. He'll talk about what's happening at the ballpark this week as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back with us. He is one half of the A-team. Although, as of recently, he is the A-team. Let's be honest. He seems to be the one that comes in every week. I saw your other half at uh, Crave yesterday on her day Oh, off. great. She was with her aunt. She's celebrating a birthday today. So that's why. Well, no, she's at the ballpark. Oh, she's, she's, working, she's working on her birthday. I think Tuesdays just don't line up great for her. She's got a lot of meetings and stuff that she has to sneak in. Yeah. So, and um, you don't? No, I do. But I like on, on, on later in a game day, I kind of try to free myself up because I'm focused on tonight. Good but, stuff. Yeah, I can always come on over to the station. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. How, how you doing? How you holding up? Good. Uh, actually, just got back from Southern California, so I survived Tropical uh, Storm uh, Hillary. Um, we were probably there the same weekend. I was there, too. When did you get out on Sunday? Uh, actually, we got back yesterday, last night. Oh, you actually waited till after the storm to fly well, back. I was... Sp- scheduled to come back monday morning okay and i got rebooked southwest rebooked my flight Mm -hmm. for tuesday morning but then i found another one for last night to just get back a little earlier good for you by the way how bad i left at 9 30 on sundays in the morning so i got out right before the skies were ready to just pour down on southern california how bad was it for you since you spent uh, all of Sunday out there and then didn't come back till uh, you know till Monday night. I was with my folks and they uh, I grew up in Burbank, so that's where they still live. Um, and we got a lot of rain, so way more rain than Southern California is used to, but it wasn't insane, crazy hurricane talk that everyone was yeah. assuming was going to happen. Um, the house did lose power for a couple hours on Monday morning, but everything was as normal. No floods in the house, no no water coming through, nothing nope, like that. Nothing like that. That's good. But rain's good. Southern California needs some rain. So while it did, I think there was some damage in different parts of uh, the area. Burbank was... 
pretty clear. Yeah, that's great. I'm happy for you. Congrats on that. You saw the Dodger Stadium pictures from that yes. one. Yes. And by the way, apparently the water drained pretty nicely because by Monday they tw- they sent out a photo on social saying that the uh, the stadium looks great and the parking lot is fine. <laughs> but that view, uh, that overhead view on Sunday looking at basically a river, which was Chavez Ravine, was pretty wild. Yeah, insane. And I can only imagine the extra work that the ground crew had to do to prepare mm-hmm. the field and make sure that the that was getting drained properly. So kudos to them too did you go to a Dodgers game or an Angels game while you were in California didn't make it out to that no we just had some some family parties my mom turned 60 uh, this past week so that's the big reason why I flew out there to celebrate congratulations yeah very nice good for your mom it was a good trip about that so here we are we've got uh, Sacktown in town uh, beginning tonight and the UTEP jersey auction is already live I got a text message earlier saying that the jerseys are live, and you brought a sample. Those things look terrific. Yeah, it's uh, it's an Good auction. Good lord, yeah. look at that! It's got the, the orange and the the blue, and we found we got this version. It's a uh, sixty six number ah. sixty six for the nineteen sixty six team. But did you put the mountains on the back? Is that what the back looks yeah, like? So at the very you the, can you can see the the mountains on the back in on the side right there, and it's the same on the front. It's a kind of a tribute to the Bhutanese architecture ah. that you see on UTEP's campus. So that's not really the mountains. It's more of the Bhutanese style with the Correct. buildings, although it could pass for the Franklins just depending on what angle you look at it from. That's kind of cool. And you see right here there is the mountain that has that M. Yes. That uh, you see when you're driving along that uh, street. What is it? Uh, Glory Road. Yeah, Glory Road. That's yeah. our Sunbull Drive. Sunbull right? Drive. And then, and then there's then- a little hidden pick. Up in there, it's kind of. Let me see that. Uh, oh, look at that! I like the hidden pick, and I like the fact that you have uh, some cacti on the side. That That's looks right. very cool. Yeah, so it's a it's a great uh, looking jersey. The team's going to wear them Friday night for UTEP night. Nice. The auction will close on Saturday. Adrian, thoughts on the UTEP jerseys as you're looking at them for the first time, and Andy showing these to you right now. What do you so think? So I uh, was seeing him while he was showing them uh, to you, and these are 10 out of 10, Steve. I love them. The incorporation of the UTEP campus and the Bhutanese art architecture is fantastic. And also, I will say this, it's a nice silhouette look. Mm. Like, it's not overbearing. It's a silhouette look that actually looks really nice with that El Paso font on the front. This is one of my favorites and might get into all, one of my all-time favorites for Chihuahua's jerseys. All right, so... You've done a million of these over the last 10 years, all right? You've done so many classic jerseys on jersey auctions. You probably lost track. But all that being said, I mean, just first impression to you, where do you put this jersey among all the others? Yeah, definitely top five, uh, especially with just how it ties in the whole community. Um, There's a lot of UTEP fans here, and um, yeah, we want to have a great partnership with UTEP, and I hope to see these jerseys being worn all year round at not only Chihuahua's games, but then going to a UTEP game. Uh, you'll probably see these in the, in the stands, too. So. Oh, you know, if people are going to win the auction, they're going to be wearing them. That's, yeah. that's just a guarantee. But I think this is a, a top five. And, yeah, we do have El Paso across the chest. Typically at home, we wear Chihuahuas across the chest. And wow. El Paso across is what you wear on the road. But just thought this was kind of a full circle moment it's for a UTEP partnership. Let's put El Paso, so it's something we both represent. Man, 
Sublimated jerseys are the greatest, aren't they? Because you could do anything. Yeah, exactly. Anything. Yeah, we get really creative. And shout out to Eileen Cerna. She's our graphic designer, and she crushed it when coming up with this design. Well, you know what the even cooler thing is about that UTEP uh, version of the jersey is there's two shades of blue. You start on a navy, and then you kind of go into more of a lighter shade of blue um, below the chest. That's really cool. Yeah, it, it really gives us the flexibility to be creative. And, yeah, Eileen did a great, great job. Awesome. So, again, uh, auctions live now. They will close Saturday at the end of the uh, at the end of the Saturday game. Correct. The last out of Saturday night's game, and all you got to do to learn more about the auction or even place a bid is text bid. That's B I D to nine one five six hundred six six seven seven. Are the UTEP tickets still available with the special uh, add-on with the cap, or have those closed in advance of Friday? The Tickets are available, but actually, as of about an hour or two ago, the hats have sold out. So ah. no more specialty hats are available. They were a very popular item. Um, so can't buy the hat at this point, but come out to the ballpark. There's still uh, tickets available. Excellent. All right. So that's that's good news as well. So the tickets are available. Hats have sold out as of an hour ago. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And it uh, looks like things are going to be very hot with UTEP uh, coming up. Now, will there be other UTEP merch um, available for people um, as we get closer to Friday? Will there be T-shirts or anything like that uh, that will have a UTEP spin on it? Nothing like that uh, this year, but UTEP has also provided a Gates giveaway for Friday. It's going to be a cross-body clear bag that the first thousand fans through the Gates will receive one of those, those bags. And that's courtesy of UTEP. It's courtesy of UTEP. Very nice. So that'll be the giveaway for Friday. Correct. Yeah, so you want to get here early on Friday for your best chance to snag one of those cool bags. I like that. First thousand, get them. First thousand, that's it. Okay, so you got to do that. Uh, um, um, At the same time, I look at all the promotions over the next three days, whether it's the Taco Twos and Brews, Wing Wednesday, Thrifty Thursday, and then you got the crossbody bags on Friday, the clear bags. You got you got the whole you got the whole homestand mapped out right now, don't you? Yeah, Thursday is also bark at the park, so mm. bring your dog out to the ballpark on Thursday. Okay. Saturday is every like every Saturday is our fireworks spectacular, and then we close it out on Sunday with kids run the bases, seniors eat free, the five dollar meal deal for kids. So yeah, we're we're jam packed with lots of fun as we close out our 18 games left in the season man so it's hard to believe it's these six and then we close with uh that 12 game homestand and the 12 game homestand is really more toward mid to late september that's right i think it kicks off on the the fifth oh does it september 5th and we play those six games off day monday then we play the 12th through the 17th, and then... And then the 17th is the final, that's the final home game. That's the final home game of the 2023 season. All right. Well, that's been, uh, that's pretty good news in itself. Uh, stick around. We'll talk a little more with Andy as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, right back to my man, Adrian Broadus, with this SportsCenter update. And thank you very much. We're back right now. Andy Enfield's with us, one half of the A-team. A happy birthday to Angelo Levis. That Absolutely. Happy birthday. Turning 29, 29 today. 29 years young. Good for Ange. I'm so happy for her, and uh, happy birthday if you're listening, Ange. That is terrific. So uh, we already know from now to Saturday or uh, for Friday what's going to happen. Promotion was, how are the uh, fireworks shaping up for this Saturday? Yeah, we have a fun show in store. Um, 
actually, I think we're using the track, or we just cut together a track that's more of like a hip-hop kind of celebration summer theme. Mm. Uh, so should be a great show. Um, always a great show, in my opinion. Uh, Rod Smith does a great job, and we, we shoot from, from the field, of course, and it's a different chore- or choreography every single week. Um, so we hope that you come out to be amazed and see a we, – we try to our best to keep them fresh and a different show every single time. Well, and I like that. And then this will be no different. And then Sunday, you've got Sunday Fun Day drink special with a 6.05 first pitch versus the 6.35 the rest of the week. So I see you've got a $5, 12-ounce uh, Casadores canned cocktails. That's that are right. Be happening. And that's actually brand new for this week. And we're mm. going to run this promotion through the end of the season. So Sundays through, I guess, so t- this coming Sunday, then the following two are going to have these $5 canned cocktail specials for two and a half hours after gates open. And those will always be courtesy of Casadores. Casadores, correct. Very, very. So, yeah, nice. always a Sunday fun day. And then let's, let's close out the season with those Sunday fun days. Plus, you get the $5 kids' meal. That's for right. For all children 12 and under. That's right. Um, and then, in addition to that, the kids run the bases after the game from the hospitals of Providence. And seniors eat free. Seniors that's always eat free. It's the great lesson. The regular hot dog, chips, and a uh, 16-ounce Pepsi fountain drink is a nice special. That's right. And this is maybe our last, but possibly our second to last. I can't remember um, 605 Sunday game. I know the final game on the 17th is a noon game. I can't remember if the other the Sunday before that's a day game or a night game, but All right. we're getting we're getting to the end. So uh, definitely come out to the ballpark, support the dogs, and uh, yeah, let's close the last eighteen pretty strong. Speaking of the dogs, I went to Dodger Stadium on Saturday night, so I had a Dodger dog. And by the way, it's amazing how far Dodger dogs have come because it used to be where that was it. It was a Dodger dog. You ordered that. Now they have, and the Dodger dog, in case you're wondering, is about six ninety nine. For a hot dog, grilled hot dog, they've got a super Dodger dog that's eight fifty, and that's an all beef hot dog. And then they're actually now also selling like um, the natural uh, casing hot dogs. Really, and those are like nine or ten bucks, something like that. That's like the most expensive of the hot dogs. But it's like the the you know. So it's interesting to me how Dodger Stadium has taken their Dodger dogs, which. Some of our listeners swear by as the greatest hot dog they've ever tasted, and now there's different varieties. And by the way, after eating uh, a hot dog at the ball game, I will say that it is, you know, when you talk about big league ballparks, because I don't think it's fair comparing it to Southwest University Park, but compared to the big league ballparks, it is probably pound for pound the best hot dog you're going to get in Major League Baseball. And it's those foot-long hot dogs, They're right? big, yes. Yeah, yeah. I grew up on those, and I haven't actually been to a Dodger game in many years, Uh Back in my day, it was, yeah, the, just you had one option. That's the Dodger dog. Did you ever go to Angel Games, too, in Anaheim, or were you always more partial to Dodger Stadium? Yeah, we went a, a handful of time to Anaheim, but mostly Dodger Stadium if we went to a game. Tell you what, they've done a nice job with the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we almost went back uh, this past weekend when I was in Los Angeles, but didn't get a chance. That would have been funny. We would have possibly been at the same game. Well, I mean, we could run into each other. And by the way, that do you know that is the third oldest ballpark now in Major League? baseball behind Fenway, Fenway and Wrigley? Wrigley? Is that right? Yes. Huh. Crazy. That was my reaction. I was like, you can't be, you know. That had to open in the 60s. 62. Wow. But if you think about it, there's now New Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So that's gone. 
Shea was a couple of years uh, younger, and then now it's City Field. They got rid of the ballpark where the Brewers were playing. Now they've got Miller Park. And all these ballparks have kind of Tiger Stadium closed. They've got Comerica. So all the ballparks have, have become newer versions of each other, and yet Dodger Stadium has withstood the test of time. And I really don't think they're moving that ballpark any time soon. Ever. Yeah. That's such a great location, Chavez Ravine. Uh, and, yeah, it's so much history at that ballpark. That's that's one that's going to stick around. I'm with you on that one. Um, meanwhile, as far as the auction goes, give that number out in case people want to get involved in the UTEP jersey auction this weekend. Yeah, you text BID, B-I-D, to 915-600-6677. That's 915-600-6677. Awesome stuff. I'm excited for you, man. It's going to be a great week. A lot of th- cool stuff going on. Appreciate you being here and uh, giving us the lowdown. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah, we're excited for a great week, so everybody listen and come on out to the ballpark. Awesome stuff. Andy Enfell joining us, 37 past the hour. And by the way, UTEP football starts Saturday. Let's go. Jacksonville State, 3.30. Will the game be on at Southwest University Park prior to the Chihuahua game? I'm sure we'll have it on somewhere, absolutely. Do you guys so. actually get CBS Sports Network on the uh, TVs out there at the ballpark? I, You know what? I don't watch TV during the game, the game Steve. I don't know. I've, You're too busy a working. A little low preoccupied. Too busy working. <laughs> I, I like that. Well, I, I got news for you. We don't have it on our cable. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I'm, I'm excited for minor season because then I get to be a fan. I get, get to, go to, to go to some. I games? get to go to sporting events and be a fan. So what's I can't it like wait. for you actually getting a chance to enjoy a game as a fan? That's got to be something different. I love it because I don't have to focus on the timing and everything. I could just sit back, relax, and watch a game. Yeah, I think a week from Saturday when they play Incarnate Word, you probably could go to that game. Yeah, there's a good chance. I know there's a Wednesday game uh, that they're home. The office, New Mexico State. That's October. That's right. Uh, we're already talking about in the office about trying to get a group together. Oh, so. that's awesome. Yeah, it'll be great. I can't wait. Good for you. Thanks again for dropping by. Have fun tonight. Thanks, Steve. Andy M. Feld, folks, as we continue 38 past here on Sports Talk. Come back to wrap up our one of two only on 600 ESPN El Paso. Just a reminder, John Teicher is going to join us in about 30 minutes on our final countdown. And then we'll get you ready for UTEP football with Dana Dimmel live tonight for the first time this season from Hudson's Classic Grill, 1770 Lee Trevino. Mario Mocha will join us to begin our 5 o'clock hour. He's pumped for the uh, Aggies home opener, season opener. Jerry Kill uh, going up uh, against UMass, a game in which the Aggies are trying to continue where they left off after their big 2022 uh, season, which was capped off with a bowl win. How's this? Aggies have won two of their last two bowl games, Adrian, over like the last five years. Um, and again, that's that's the goal I know that every UTEP fan wants, not just to get to a bowl game, but they want to win their first bowl game uh, since that 1967 Sun Bowl. And now they're finally in a conference. They've been doing this all as an independent uh, for years and years and years, which is crazy to even think. I mean, the schedule making that is involved in that, the uncertainty and the vulnerability that they have as just a football team. Remember, mm-hmm. this team didn't play football in 2020 due to the pandemic, and they were one of the casualties due to what was going on in their own state as far as not playing any sort of games in college football. And now they're transitioning into 
the Conference USA for the first time in a long time being affiliated with a league like this. I wrote about UTEP today and the Dana Dimmel connection with the quarterback specifically here in 2023. And I find it so interesting. I mean, you look at uh, Gavin Hardison, okay? Uh, Scotty O'Hara is now his third offensive coordinator that he's had since he's been at the school. Started with uh, Mike Canales, then it went to Dave Warner, now it's Scotty O'Hara. And you wonder, you know, at this point, Dana Dimmel is more hands-on than he's ever been before in the quarterback room. We already know he calls the plays, but now that he is so much closer to the quarterbacks than he's ever been before, I wonder what kind of an impact that's going to have when the team takes the field beginning Saturday uh, in Jacksonville, Alabama. Well, I hope that it helps improve two specific categories, uh, statistical categories for Gavin Hardison. Number one being the completion percentage. As a career, Gavin Hardison is a 53% passer uh, as a quarterback over his time at UTEP. And then for turnovers on his side, throughout the years, he's thrown 35 touchdown passes to 26 interceptions, including uh, 13 interceptions in 2021, the season when they were they had a winning season. So I want to see him uh, limit those unforced turnovers on his side. Is I'm talking about Gavin Hardison, and then be a little bit more efficient in terms of his decision making, so he can get that completion percentage up. I think you're 100 correct, and I'll say this: I mean, to me, I mean, it's not like I'd love for him to throw 70, percent but that's not realistic. 60 to 65 would be a big, big improvement if you're Gavin Hardison this season. That's what I want to see. 60 to 65%, Adrian. Not 50, not under 50, not 55. Let's get to 60 to 65. And then hopefully what you really want is a 2 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah, that's a good point. I also would like a two to one run to pass uh, play calling situation for UTEP. They've got the running backs. You have Deion Hankins, you have Mike Franklin, you have Torrance Burgess, and if you really wanted to dip into your running back uh, running back depth, you could throw Azel Jolly, the true freshman, in the mix as well. We still don't know about Aaron Dumas, so I'm not even counting him in this conversation. But still, I mean, you're loaded at running back, so I almost feel like this this also could turn into a conversation of what will UTEP's philosophy be every single game distributing plays is it you know between run and pass I th- I think you've got to um, you know favor the run this year knowing you've got a veteran offensive line knowing that you're not necessarily bringing a lot of returners in your running uh, your wide receiver group but you have that experience at the running back position to have success in the run game I think that running is going to be a huge emphasis this season but We've always seen this team open it up passing-wise. I mean, they've never, they haven't been a run-dominated team since Dana Dimmel first arrived and they were rebuilding that team. And they had quarterbacks that were, you know, not necessarily pass-heavy quarterbacks. There were more running of, you know, option quarterbacks than passing. So, That is going to be kind of an interesting storyline here this season is now that UTEP still has, they've got, they've got the best running back, you know, group they've ever had probably in at least in the last, you know, I don't know how many years Uh, they're so deep, so many weapons. And if Aaron Dumas gets eligible, that's just another huge weapon to add to the mix, but you still have Tyron Smith. You've got Gavin Hardison. You've got experience at quarterback. You've got experience at receiver. I mean, 
isn't it hard to resist knowing that with everybody keying on the run, you know you're going to have the ability to throw the ball too? Right. I agree with that. I think that they just have to figure out ways to, uh, I mean, you know, saying balance is one thing, but I, I feel like just having more rushing attempts in games, even if they key on you, uh, is got to be a key for UTEP. I mean, if they're running the ball effectively and Deion Hankins, who averaged almost five yards a carry last year, uh, if he can translate that over into this year and have that success with more attempts on his side, he didn't have a lot of attempts last year, but it's because he had a share role with Ronald Awat last season, but if he's able to go upwards of 20, 25 carries a game, which is a lot, you know, that's a lot to ask for a single player, but if he can do that uh, consistently, then man, he can emerge into one of the top players in this conference at that tailback position, and UTEP can use the passing game as just a complement to their already run, uh, you know, their dominant run game in that sense. But if they do, that's going to put even more pressure on Hardison, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the way you've described it, which I think is accurate, kind of gives me the uh, you know the notion that they're going to probably get many more rushing touchdowns this season than passing. And if that's the case, how do you limit the interceptions when you realize you might not have many touchdown passes to begin with? That is a that's a very very difficult balancing act if you're Gavin Hardison because let's say you know the majority of your touchdowns are via the run. Well, that means you're not going to get a lot of passing touchdowns. You're going to use the pass to complement the run, and yet you don't want to throw any interceptions. So, you know, we've always talked about how we'd like to see a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. Well, they might be lucky to get two touchdown passes every game anyway. Right. I, I can see that. I would also say that maybe it's just more about that number of attempts because uh, last year there were games where the Miners, like against Louisiana Tech, 51 pass attempts in a 10-point loss on the road. You look at the New Mexico road loss, 46 pass attempts in that game, which by the way, Gavin Hardison in that one was a 43% uh, completion percentage right there and had seven overall turnovers. That offense did on their side. So when you favor the run a little bit more, like they did 54 rushing attempts against Boise State. Well, good things happen in that case. That's true. Um, just realize that when you're doing that and, and you're running the ball as much as they could potentially be running, which I agree, it's going to chew the clock, it's going to wear out the defense, but then you still say to yourself, all right, how can the pass still be effective and limit the mistakes? And that's, that's my biggest key. I think that's that's the biggest one of the biggest factors for the offense this year is not turning it over. You have to limit those mistakes. Right, and I, I even look at that Florida International game. Under 20 passing attempts for the passing game, over 60 rushing attempts in that game. They won 40-6 to six in that game late last season. But when they still have high pass attempts like they did at UTSA, 25 pass attempts for Calvin Brownholtz in that game, uh, they still favored the run by having 40 rushing attempts in that one too. So there's ways to incorporate both a balance, maybe just have a higher rush ratio. Makes sense. One hour in the books, two to go. Stay with us. Uh, Actually, 30 minutes to go because we've got John Teicher standing by after Mario Mocha. Busy 5 o'clock hour right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. As he's getting ready for his first uh, football home game of the 2022-23 uh, season, excuse me. And that's uh, going to be a game uh, uh, zero week uh, against UMass on Saturday. It's going to be on ESPN, but expecting a big crowd, as I'm sure he always is. It's the one and only Director of Athletics, Mario Mocha. Mario, welcome back to the show. How are you? 
Cap, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a little while. It has. What is? Well, you know, you've, you've been rather busy this summer, and I figured I'd leave you alone until the start of football season. Well, yeah, and then we're piling on uh, a million events. We've got our radio show tonight. Uh, we're launching our uh, raspberry margarita on Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, we've got a soccer match against Arizona State on Thursday and then the big football game on Saturday. So it's all here, as they say. It sounds like it. And, by the way, more uh, beverage uh, opportunities for you. Uh, That never ceases to uh, exist. And, sure enough, uh, Raspberry Margarita joining the party, huh? Well, you know, canned spirits are kind of a big deal, and uh, there's a, a business in our town called Little Toad. Uh, so it's a bar just right off of downtown area in the plaza, and uh, the lady that owns it has a a plant or a distillery in uh, Silver City as well as Deming. And they make like they have like eight canned cocktails, and we were just having a discussion, you know, about a licensed Aggie cocktail, and um, you know they kind of did some samples. We settled on a raspberry margarita, so it is now referred to as Aggie Rita. Uh, but we're going to have the big launch party uh, tomorrow from five to ten o'clock. I will not be there at ten o'clock, trust me. Uh, but five to ten uh, over at Little Toad and. Uh, should be a, a fun thing. And, you know, some of those uh, uh, alcohol-related um, um, projects have been pretty lucrative for us. Good. Hopefully you can add this one to the mix. And I'm sure you're not just stopping with this, are you? Well, there's something else we're working on. I don't. You'll be the first to know. I don't want to. But it'll be a biggie. How about that? Sounds it'll good to me. It'll be a biggie in the beverage space. All right. How about that? That's, that's, that's perfect. Um, yep. How excited are you to be in a conference? Well, you know, it's I've gone over talking to groups and just telling them how great it is to be in Conference USA. Obviously, out of the 32 conferences, there's only 10 uh, in the CFP. Um, so you get to share an enormous uh pile of revenue that you didn't get in the WAC or other conferences. Um, You have bowl alliances, so if you are bowl eligible, you don't have to just pray that you can get into a slot like we did last year. You're kind of guaranteed. Uh, And then, you know, your student-athletes get to play for a conference championship. You know, whether you're picked first or last, um, you know, everybody's 0-0, and that's something that you know, all student athletes strive for to win championships, and football never really had that as an independent. So those are three biggies right off the bat of why it's exciting. Now, here's the fourth thing. You know, I do realize that, you know, playing on weeknights on Wednesday is uh, something that's seen as uh, maybe that's not the best TV deal, but on the flip side, you know, I thought one of the best quotes was, hey, you know, UMass is going to play New Mexico State at 5 p.m. on the mothership, ESPN, 75 million potential eyeballs, 7 o'clock kick on, the, on East Coast time, prime time. And, you know, Southern Cal, who's ranked sixth in the country, Heisman Trophy winner, they're going to play San Jose State on the Pac-12 network. So we've got a great chance to have significantly more eyeballs um, because of the TV deal. So I think it's, it's a huge plus. I know it cuts both ways, but for the Aggies, it's cutting pretty good on the home opener. Good. Well, again, that's uh, for you what it's all about is trying to get, you know, as much national exposure as possible. And I'm sure you're probably pacing well for a good crowd anyway on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. You know, ordinarily, we would start a game in August, probably at eight o'clock. 
we don't have that luxury anymore because of the TV contract. So we'll be playing at five. Um, so, you know, we're going to have a ton of water stations out there. But, um, you know, it's our Hispanic Heritage Game. So we won a national award. Uh, for that a few years ago when we played San Diego State. But we've got luchador wrestlers. We've got roving mariachis. We've got, you know, the kid zone and food trucks. And, you know, we're encouraging everybody to come out and all the students to make signs so they can be on ESPN. Uh, But we've got a bunch of stuff going on. We've got Devon House coming back, nice. former Green Bay Packer. Jabari Rice is going to be back here. A lot of people remember how much he did for the Aggies, and now he's a San Antonio Spur. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there, Cap. It sounds like it, Mario. You're busy. And uh, kickoff on Saturday is what time? 5.05 is going to be the official kickoff. Okay. Uh, I forgot to mention. Now, you know, I don't really know him other than following him, but get Big Game Boomer mm. is going to be here. Are you familiar with his I am uh, familiar. We, um, I know, Adrian, we've talked about Big Game Boomer a lot on this radio show. We really have. Yes. Yeah, it feels like uh, Big Game Boomer always has either the best recommendations or probably the worst recommendations or something that no one ever <laughs> thinks about. Yeah is, I don't know, I'm probably not allowed to give up his real name because he's going to be on the AD's patio. Oh. But I, I guess I should keep him anonymous. But Big Game Boomer will be in Las Cruces, and I think that's a big deal. Somebody who's got that kind of following, you know, picks our game to watch. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's By the way, um, folks, I've been on the AD's patio. It is an impressive place to be. So Big Game Boomer, you are rolling out the red carpet for the man. That is good to hear. Very nice. Uh, I am, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but one of your relatives is uh, also going to be our media sponsor. So oh. can I say that? Yeah, of course you can. Well, you've already Fox you've already you've already our... said it, and there's only yeah. I only have one real like relative in the media that's uh, that, that that lives in El Paso, and that's um, my brother Matt and K Fox and KDBC. So the fact that they're going to be teaming up as media partners for you on Saturday night that's terrific. Yeah, that's going to be a neat deal, and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get you to come down to a game when it fits into your schedule. But, no, I'm really excited. You know, coming off, um, you know, a quick lane bowl victory, our season ticket numbers have been significantly eclipsed. Um, As we know, Las Cruces is definitely a walk-up town, but we're starting to see the uptick. Uh, I have a feeling that we'll have a ton of students at the game uh, because it's a great chance to put on a, uh, you know, a great show for a national audience and it's also the first time in school history cap that we will have that the Aggie football team will have back-to-back games on the ESPN never happened before oh wow I didn't even realize that back-to-back yeah. games on ESPN all right yeah well the bowl game you know we yeah. had 2.3 million eyeballs on us at the quick lane bowl and now um, you know this Saturday so it's going to be exciting good and by the way Tim Haggerty just messaged a little while ago that Former Aggie outfielder Daniel Johnson has joined the Chihuahuas, and he's going to start in center field uh, here in El Paso tonight as they begin their six-game stand. I heard that news. I was excited to hear it. DJ was a great player for us, great ambassador, and, you know, we hope he gets back to the big league soon. Um, You know, he had a... He had uh, uh, 
several uh, games with the uh, were they the Indians back then? I don't think they were the Guardians back then. No, they I were still they were the they, they were Indians. still the Indians. Yes, that's yeah. Right. So hopefully he gets back there. And you know what? We're also proud. Kyle Bradish is mm. leading the American League uh, in ERA. And I looked; Jeez. he would be third overall. There's two guys in the National League, um, you know, who uh, are ahead of him or lower than him. But boy, oh boy, to have a New Mexico State Aggie have a third lowest ERA in Major League Baseball is pretty exciting stuff. So we're rooting for him big time. Yeah, Bradish has been amazing. You got to get him back to a game before the end of the season, uh, assuming. Uh, he, ha- he has the opportunity. I mean, you want the Orioles to play deep into the postseason in October, but it would be very cool if you're able to get Kyle back here in November for a game. Yeah, we'll certainly work on uh, Joey Ortiz. He may get called up, mm-hmm. um, you know, who had a, a couple of cups of coffee with the uh, Orioles, and certainly we want to get um, Nick Gonzalez back here too, who had a nice little run with the Pirates, and hopefully he'll get called up uh, before the end of the season again. Nice little pipeline of ball players you've got going on uh, with New Mexico State baseball and Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. We've got other guys in the minor leagues, so we're excited. But, uh, yeah, Brian Green did a heck of a job in his tenure. And, uh, you know, our new coach, Jake Angier, uh, he's bringing in talent as well. But it's great whenever, um, you know, Kyle is pitching and they're talking about New Mexico State. It's just a, a nice boost for us because, as you know, there are schools in the SEC who've got numerous ball players in the in Major League Baseball, but for us to have one is pretty special. Very nice. And I know that uh, you also have a soccer match soon enough. Your uh, other half, uh, your better half, is going to be actually part of the broadcast team with uh, Adam Young for that one. Yeah, well, you know, she uh, obviously was a first-team All-American player, played overseas, but, uh, you know, she served as the locomotive uh, play-by-play, or I'm sorry, color, uh, for a couple of seasons. So, yeah, she'll move into that role for us. And uh, it's not that I don't get enough athletics from 8 to the end of the day when I get home from a soccer match that she was calling. I will hear about it for hours, too. I'll never forget when she was working for the locomotive. I'm like watching the Oakland Roots versus Kansas City whatever match. I'm like, why are we watching this? She's scouting. anything on Netflix? That's right. She was was preparing. That's that's good. It's a a sports family. You've got got, uh, teenage daughters, and they're following in your footsteps. Very athletic kids. I think one plays soccer, the other plays softball, and uh, they're doing very well. Well, uh, we got to keep everybody busy, that's for sure. You said one of the girls used to be known as, uh, it's uh, Abby, correct? Uh, Addie. Oh, Addie. Addie. It's Twitterless, Twitterless Addie. Are you now going to call her Xless Addie? Well, I guess. I mean, you know, she has a phone. We were like uh, pilgrims, right? We were the last holdouts to get our daughter a phone. Mm. And... um, she always loved the Twitterless thing, but I guess Twitter's not that cool if you're 15, yeah. because she has not shown a real desire to engage in the platform, whether it's the bird or X or whatever. All right. So what is she now? What is she into? TikTok? Do you allow that? Yeah, that and Snapchat and all, all right. that stuff. It's gotcha. just, it's really upsetting, but Ugh. it is what it is. It's a tough life being <laughs> you, that's for sure. Uh, enjoy this week. Uh, congratulations on starting the season. We'll get Jerry Kill back on the show soon enough, and always appreciate the time. Hey, thanks, Cap. Thanks, Adrian, for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. Mario Mocha, folks, Director of Athletics uh, at New Mexico State. Before I go to break, uh, Joe Chacon had a uh, a message on X, and um, 
man, he's throwing all the hashtags out there. We've seen the hashtags besides the usual uh, repping from Colorado now. Brock is my OG. Zane is in training. He also has hashtag keeping these simple today. Hashtag taking it easy on Steve. Hashtag Stever the believer. Now, he thought that I don't like him because I don't read all of his messages, his posts on the show. But what uh, Joe Chacon doesn't realize more than anything, Adrian, is that um, there's a lot of our listeners who uh, message us that we don't always get to during the program. It, but he thinks that he, he's got a personality complex. He's a little, you know, he's, he's, his feelings get hurt too easily. No, no, Joe Chacon is the guy who will call you out if you don't read his tweets. So he wants his tweets read. He wants his hashtags read. Uh, you know, yesterday he threw out the hashtag, you know, you missed me, hashtag Lincoln Warriors for life. Or actually, I think that was maybe last week. But nonetheless, uh, I think it's pretty hard to keep up with all the different things that Joe Chacon is trying to throw our way on uh, social media. Stever the Believer, my God. All right, anyway, good job, Joe. We'll come back with John Teicher right after D. Wu in this traffic update, 16 past here on Sports Talk. Thanks very much, Duke Keith, and good afternoon, minor fans. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have you along, and welcome to a new season of UTEP football and UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. We come your way live from Hudson's Grill, 1770 Lee Trevino at Treywood on El Paso's east side. And from now until 630, we'll take you right up until uh, Chihuahua's Sacramento Rivercats baseball. We'll talk UTEP football with you and with the sixth-year head coach of your UTEP Miners, Dana Dimmel. The Miners have been practicing uh, in camp since the end of July, the last week of July, and this Saturday in Jacksonville, Alabama. They welcome the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, one of four new members to Conference USA, to the league as they begin their 2023 season with a Conference USA game. The Miners beginning their 106th football season, their 19th as a member of Conference USA, and they open things up against Jacksonville State uh, this coming Saturday. By the way, you'll hear that broadcast right here on 600 ESPN El Paso beginning at 2.30 with the Longhorn Distributing Countdown to Kickoff Show. During the program... Here this afternoon, we will preview the 2023 UTEP football team. We'll break down the Miners offensively, defensively, and on special teams. And then we'll look in on the host Jacksonville State Gamecocks, who are making the transition from the football college subdivision to the football bowl subdivision into Conference USA in 2023, led by Rich Rodriguez. We'll talk a little bit about the Gamecocks toward the end of the show as well. If you're anywhere nearby, I invite you to come on by and join us. Uh, enjoy a burger, a shake, or any type of uh, cold beverage, and enjoy the program. We're here until 6.30. They have happy hour uh, daily until 7 o'clock, so still very much in happy hour as we get the show underway for 2023 here at Hudson's Classic Grill. We'll take our first time out. When we come back, Coach Dimmel joins me, joins you, and we'll talk UTEP football for the first time this season. We're at Hudson's Classic Grill from Van Wagner. This is UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. It is my distinct honor to welcome back to the program the man whose uh, name is on the uh, is on the door 
He's beginning his sixth year as the Miners uh, head coach. Delighted to be back with UTEP uh, head football coach uh, Dana Dimmel. Dana, it's so good to see you. And uh, we were just talking what a great time of year and so much fun talking uh, football uh, as we get around to the start of another season. Yeah, it is. Here we are, Tosh. I thought the summer went extremely fast for us. You know, it seemed like I talked about the press conference yesterday. May 11th was our coffee, you know, our Luke uh, Laufenberg coffee that we have, and that's kind of the kickoff to the summer for me. And then you kind of say, okay, here's our next thing, our next thing. And it just seemed like it was two weeks ago, and here we are. And camp just seemed like it just started. I was driving up today to do the show, and I'm thinking, gosh, I can't believe we're this far along into camp. It's crazy. Been at it for a a month now. We'll talk a little bit about that a moment. Uh, obviously, the last time we saw the Miners, uh, when the season wrapped up in uh, November for you and your staff, you got right into recruiting, and uh, you seem to have done another great job, you and your staff, in the junior college ranks. Oh, we had a great year, and you know now we've been able to get to see those guys um, you know, go through spring ball, because most of them were there in spring ball. Right. We had a few here in in the fall you know and the guys we had in the fall are really nice additions too you know what's got to be understand is some of the guys that came here and didn't get here till the summer that were part of last year's recruiting class it's going to take them a little bit more time as we've talked about many times before to get on the field and help us right that's gonna it's gonna take some time but the talent of the guys that we did bring in we really, really like the talent of that group. So we brought in some new faces here in the summer. But the guys, the large number of guys that we brought in at mid-year are, you know, I told, I've said before, made us a lot more athletic. And now we're going to get to see some of these guys play for the very first time. So I'm looking forward to that. You had some particular needs in your recruiting efforts, uh, largely offensively. Tight end was a big need. Sure. Linebacker defensively. And in the secondary was a big need on that side of the That's football. right. Yeah, you're exactly right. We addressed the tight end position. You know, we took our tight end position from having Trent, who was a really good player last year, and Zach. And then just, you know, we have Zach coming back, and Zach's a tremendous tight end for us. I really love all the things that he does. But then we added a handful of guys pretty much now, and um, I'm really happy with the progress that Elijah Boyd and Marcus Vincent uh, have have made there, um, you know, helping us. And then, of course, uh, we have, um, you know, some other guys that, are, that are, it were in the program that are stepping up and doing some really good stuff as well, and that's um, – uh, you know, one name I was going to talk about that's really come on here towards the end of camp is Juan Camacho, a local product. And he, you know, he really had a great, he had a great practice again today, too. So, and then Judah Inzinwa came back today off of being a little bit banged up. So we got a lot of depth there at the tight end position. And then Luke Sibes, a really good young player for us. It's just going to keep getting better and better, too. You know, you mentioned Juan Camacho, and you know this because we, you know, we talk off the air, but uh, I think he's in his third year in the program. One of the best-looking kids you've got physically in the program. Right, and, but he's just gotten better and yeah. better as far as his physicality and the way he runs routes and the way he covers ground. And I told our quarterbacks, just as I left our quarterback meeting here before I came over, I said, if any of you guys miss one, it counts as two incompletions instead of one because he's six seven, right? So it's like, how can you miss that target right there? Got that great wingspan, that's for but sure. But he's one of many of our tight ends, and it's nice, though, to have a local product really kind of come up and really start to have a really, really good camp for us where now he's a viable guy to help us in football games. You also had uh, one staff change on each side of the football during the off season. You changed out uh, your offensive coordinator, and you promoted uh, Scotty O'Hara, 
who uh, has been uh, tutoring the minor uh, wide receivers. Scotty working with the receivers, the quarterbacks, and, and now coordinating the offense as well. Right. That was kind of a no-brainer, kind of an easy, easy thing to go to because Scotty knows the offense what, as, what, probably better than anybody, you know, and he was one of those guys that came up and, and was with us a long time ago at Arizona. But what Scotty really helped himself in, in, in this coaching business is he started to learn he learned how to block everything first, you know, and a lot of times offensive coordinators, they come up the other way. They come up and they know how to throw all the routes and they know how to do all that stuff, but they don't know how to block anybody, right? And so Scotty came up the right way. He came up with learning how to block people first and then complement with all the other stuff that's a lot easier to, to conceptualize. And you also uh, were able to promote uh, James Bain, who had been in a, a support uh, role. James now an assistant, uh, working with Mike Simmons with the offensive line and Aaron Price on special teams. Yeah, and James Bain's been a great uh, jack-of-all-trades type of guy because, you know, obviously the more help Aaron can get, and, and of course, that's Aaron, you know, Aaron was with James Bain at Northern Arizona, and so that's what James's job was, is helping Aaron at Northern Arizona as a graduate assistant. Then he came to our program as a graduate assistant and um, worked his way up. But he's also a, a very good young offensive line coach, so now he assists Coach Simmons with the offensive line, which if there's any two positions that need – there's three positions in my mind that need two coaches, the secondary – the offensive line, and the special teams. And so I feel like now we finally got our staff to the point where we have that help that we need at, the, at all those positions. You had a vacancy on the defensive side of things in the uh, secondary and a familiar face. Uh, Josh Brown, who was gone for a year, actually spent the time at uh, the University of Hawaii, is now back working with the minor corners. Yeah, Josh took a year of vacation in Hawaii, you know, <laughs> went and spent time over there. And can't blame a guy for wanting to go over to Hawaii and spend some time, but uh, – he realized uh, where the best spot for him to be and the best spot to have him at for us is definitely to have him back with the minors. And speaking of the uh, changes, uh, with the changes that did take place, particularly surrounding the offensive coordinator and around the receivers and the quarterbacks, you have decided that uh, you're going to, be, and you mentioned it just a moment ago, that uh, you would be far more involved and, and, uh, and working with the receivers and the, uh, and the quarterbacks and, and, and attending their meetings as well. And it seems to me, as the Miners play caller, that was just a logical thing to do. Right, and it's really hard to do as a head coach, especially when you're coming in and building a program and you have a lot of things that you want to get structurally set. So it was difficult for me to do that. And uh, But at this point now, I feel like the structure of our program and what we're doing with our program, Tice, right now is, in, is on firm, firm footing. So I feel like now I can expand, spread myself a little bit thinner, uh, to say, and get myself in there coaching and spending time in position meetings, which, again, that takes a lot away from some of the other stuff I can do. But, again, i got a lot of good people around me to help me with those other administrative roles as well. UTEP Texas Western El Paso on Twitter uh, says, why is this the year that you are now spending more time with the quarterbacks and receivers? Was this the plan all along, part of the building process, or something you decided to do heading into 2023? Well, A, yes and yes. Yeah, you know, it's part, it's part of the that I think we, we talked about here just a second ago that it's, it's, it's part of being in the program now long enough where I feel like we've got 
the administrative things in order where now I can feel like I can get myself away from that. And then I also feel like it's just needed because we got somebody uh, with the type of talent that Gavin Hardison has at quarterback, and I think it's really important for him to hear the things that we're thinking as a play caller every day in meetings, you know. And so that part of it I think is really, really important for him to hear. And I think – and I've seen him progress, and I said this yesterday – I didn't get to spend time with Gavin in position meetings, right, because that's a big stretch. I mean, there's probably maybe, you know, I would say five coaches in the country, max head coaches that are in position meetings with their players, right, if that many. So it does spread yourself pretty thin. But what I've learned from that, from being around Gavin, is that I didn't realize how smart he really is. He, he's even sharper than, one, than what I knew. It may be unusual for the head coach but it isn't necessarily unusual for the play caller right. to be in these meetings. Sure. And that's where I think uh, taking this step, I, I think it could be big for UTEP football yeah. in 2023. I'm excited about it. I think these kids are grasping some things uh, that are going to be important to them to help them, help them win football games, you know, and, and it'll be uh, you know, fun to watch them play. All right, let's uh, break down the uh, 2023 minors uh, position by position. We'll start to uh, – with the offensive unit, and, and you've got to start up front. Any, any conversation uh, offensively and defensively has to start with the uh, front line. And I, I think it's 121 starts. Essentially, you've got all five starters back, although you did have one de- defection. Uh, Zuri Henry, who has started in the past, uh, uh, actually redshirted after playing the first two games uh, a year ago. Uh, back at right tackle, Elijah Klein at right guard, and, and Andrew Meyer at center. Uh, Justin Mayers at left guard and uh, and Steve Hubbard at uh, at left tackle, all returning starters along that offensive Right, front. and I hadn't heard that number, 121 starts. Yep. That's a lot. Some of them dating back to Zuri, starting four games as a true freshman for six years ago, and Elijah starting four games. And, of course, we only started them in four because they were true freshmen. And then last year, Zuri was one of our five best offensive linemen. There was no doubt about that. Um, and he got banged up, and it was fortunate enough that, that when he got banged up, we were still deep enough that we could afford to redshirt Zuri. And so now he's back, and he's about, you know, probably about 15 pounds heavier than he was last year. So he's tipping the scale about 305, and that really helps him. So much maturity, I would think, so much leadership from that group as we get set to play football uh, here at UTEP in 2023. Yeah, they definitely have to be, you know, something that we really lean hard on. And um, for me, because we lean so hard on them, I also want to develop depth there. Right. right? And so that's been a big, as again, you know, you get 30 minutes to think about things or 40 minutes as you're driving in a car, you don't get that time as a head coach sometimes. So that was the other thing I thought about is, okay, we know how good our offensive line is, but we're only as good as our, our as our backups, right? And so that's been a big area of emphasis for us, and I think we've brought along some guys in that role, and I even see some of the other guys making steps to get us to where I can get that number to 10 guys that we feel comfortable could go into a game at any time and help us win, win the football game. I think we're at eight right now, but I think as the season moves along, we're going to get to that, num- that 10 number as long as we stay healthy. Yeah, not a ton of uh, game experience among that uh, second five, but certainly uh, physically uh, a lot of uh, potential, and it starts uh, with uh, with Zuri Henry's backup at right tackle, Illumina Kelly, who right. we brought in from the junior college ranks a year ago, and uh, and certainly uh, probably the most impressive of all of the minors physically is, as you look at this football team. Yeah, Illumina has the, uh, a tremendous, tremendous top end, and last year he came in, played as a true freshman at the JUCO, and came in and was with us, and we got to, were able to redshirt him. And, and, and I've seen some tremendous, tremendous progress from Aluma 
through fall camp. You know, I saw it through spring ball, but then in fall camp he's really made some tremendous strides. So he's somebody that I feel comfortable that could go into the game and, and do some really good things for us. But we'll get better and better and better and better. And at six, set, you know, six a legitimate six seven NFL height and 355, 360 pounds, he's a mammoth human being. But he he passed his shuttle, you know, and um, that's one of the things I was going to visit about. You know, going back to me me being with the quarterbacks and the quarterbacks and receivers meeting together more, that's something, Tice, that goes back in our system back when Hayden Fry was the head coach at Iowa. He made that really important. And when Bill Snyder came over and took over Kansas State program, he wanted us to be able to do that all the time, right? And, and I think so that's why it's really important that now I'm involved in those meetings. We've got the quarterbacks and receivers meeting a lot together as well because we're that far along in the program that we're able to do that now again. The backup guards, uh, Otis Pitts uh, third uh, got a little game experience uh, a year ago. And uh, local product from Eastwood High School, Joseph Immediato. Yeah, Otis Pitts is uh, a guy that when we recruited him out of Cisco, we said we snatched him. He really wasn't on the, the recruiting market yet, but we snatched him away a year early before because we knew if he stayed at the JUCO another year, we probably weren't going to be able to touch him because he's going to be a high-level Power 5 guy. And, um, you know, because of his size and he can really move, we were able to get him in and redshirt him. And now, you know, uh, he's really ready to play. So we feel like Otis has got a great chance to come in and help us if we need to have him this year. We'd like to just keep those five starters out there. And then Joe Immediata is a guy that has dropped weight, okay? Some of these guys need to gain weight, some need to drop. Joe's dropped about 25 pounds, and you can just see his play just get tremendously better with that. And so he's making strides each and every day in our program because I think Joe has a high, a really, really high top end, and he's really starting to understand that and see it himself and see what, you know, getting himself into the kind of condition he needs to be in is helping him to get to that point. Ivan Escobar uh, backing up at uh, center, and you've got uh, quite the battle at uh, left tackle for the number two spot there. Yeah, and Escobar is another local product. So right. you've got Immediato, you've got Escobar, right. they're both local products. And Escobar uh, is playing offense. You know, he's a defensive lineman, but he's a state wrestling champion. And he's, a, he's one of the top eight right now uh, at center. He's our backup center and is doing a really good job there. And he's really, really intelligent and just gets better and better each and every day, too. So proud of those couple young El Paso guys that got a chance to really help our program moving forward. We all know about Gavin, who will be starting his 31st game at quarterback for the Miners on Saturday. The real, one of the real position battles throughout the spring and right up until the present time is who's going to back up Gavin Hardison. You've got Jake McNamara, you've got Kevin Hurley, and you've got Cade McConnell. How has that, how has that battle proceeded along? Good. You know, um, they've all uh, got a whole lot better in camp, and uh, that's what we want. I think they're all getting themselves, I'm, I'm pretty sure, after where we are this week, that they've all got themselves to the stage where I would feel comfortable putting any of those guys in the game. I think they've all made that step, and it's really kind of interesting now to see all three of those guys develop along and see that. And, and so now as we go into camp, I feel comfortable with any of those three guys getting into a game. You mentioned Trent Thompson moving along at tight end. Uh, you mentioned uh, the uh, work the minor uh, assistants did in the junior college ranks. Uh, it's nice to have Zach Fryer back, though, because Zach's been in the program uh, about uh, three years, three, four years now, so obviously he brings that experience. He does. He's really, really good. He's a good blocker. He's a good pass catcher. He's very intelligent. He just brings so much to the table, and he's had a great spring and a great fall camp to this point. So really looking to, you know, he's really one of the most important 
pieces of our offensive football team. <clears throat> Among the running backs, uh, Ronnie Awat uh, finished his uh, eligibility after last year, after a tremendous uh, last couple of seasons at UTEP. But Deion Hankins is back. Torrance Burgess is back. Uh, you went into the junior college ranks and plucked a kid named uh, Mike Franklin, who's had a good uh, fall camp after a terrific spring. Yeah, he has, and he's big and strong and runs hard and has very, got good, very good feet and very fast for a big guy. He's one of our fastest guys, Tyson. So I like that. I like the depth that we're developing at running back, you know, and, and um, I'm really pleased with what those guys. We have some really, really good young running backs in our program, too. That I'm, I'm, When I look at that running back room right now, in the future of that running back room, it's just amazing where we are because we brought in some more. And we gray shirt another one that I thought was just as good, but we didn't have the numbers who we signed and we had to gray shirt. Um, but Aaron Dumas has had a tremendous, tremendous camp. You know, like he's uh, better than I even thought he was going to be, which is really good. And Aaron, of course, uh, the former America's high school standout, uh, led uh, New Mexico in rushing uh, two years ago. Last year sat out at the University of Washington, decided to come home and put on a minor uniform. You, you've applied for a waiver on him. Right. We don't know yet, do we? Right, we don't know yet. And uh, that's a day-to-day process right now on that waiver. And um, But... Uh, when he does get out there, he's going to do some really good stuff for us. I asked you earlier this week if any true freshman would see the field uh, for UTEP uh, this year, and you pointed to uh, Izell Jolly, whom the staff uh, really loves, a running back who wears number 22, a true freshman. Yeah, he runs like Ronnie. You know, he runs like Ronnie um, Awat from last year, but and, and Izell's got great speed. I mean, he's really, really got some uh, – and he's very good without the ball in his hands too, so he catches the ball extremely well. And he's got tremendous speed and good size and height to him. So he runs upright like Ronnie does, wears the same number, and uh, has really, really big-time breakaway speed. Miners use a fullback from time to time. James Tupo had filled that role for the last uh, several years. He's moved along. But another local product who's put in his time in this program is... Uh, is the man of the hour, and that's uh, Julian Lopez. Yeah, Julian is probably, again, I talked about Zach Fryer, but Julian is, again, like Zach, you know, that he's up there as one of the most important pieces of our offensive machine because he's very versatile, and he can also play tight end as well. And so um, he does some really good things at the tight end position and the fullback position and blocks extremely well. Watch for Julian Lopez. Where's number 43? in the uh, orange and blue. Now to the wide uh, receivers. Tyron Smith decided to uh, academically take classes at Texas A&M this spring. He did so successfully uh, after transferring to Texas A&M and then transferred back to UTEP uh, uh, in the uh, summertime. And obviously it's great to have Tyron back, uh, over 70 receptions, over 1,000 yards, big play guy a year ago. Yeah, and we were really fortunate to get Tyron back because he got to A&M and just realized that he wasn't happy there. But there's only a rule when you transfer and to be immediately eligible, you can only go back to the place that you left. But you can only participate in 14 practices, right, or 14 workouts. If you go 14 or more, then you can't come back or transfer anywhere without losing a year of eligibility. And uh, our uh, new compliance officer, Taylor, knew that rule and did a great job. And so Tyron was able to not 
hit the 14-day mark and was able to come back to us. And so what a tremendous thing. And, and uh, you know, another good example, we've been blessed, and it's nothing more than a blessing, about we haven't been hit in, in the transfer portal. And even the guy, you know, we, we've lost two guys, two right. significant players right. since I've been here. Right. And a guy like Tyron goes to a place like A&M and sees that that's not always the best spot for him, and we're really fortunate to get, to get Tyron back for sure. Kelly Akari now a second-year player and should be a lot better than he was as a, as a transfer a year ago. Should, should, should be played a lot better at the end of the year, right. which I talked about. I've mentioned a lot. I thought our football team at the end of the year last year was playing some really good football the way we, 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 th- we thumped FIU and then, of course, had UTSA beat until the end of the game when Calvin, you know, our, when our backup pulls his hamstring when we're, when we're 10 points ahead there and just couldn't find a way to, to finish the game out. But I liked the way we were playing football, and so Kelly was part of that, but he's gotten a whole lot better since then. Marcus Bellin, also a second-year player, uh, saw some action as a receiver uh, last year, primarily the Miners' uh, number one uh, punt return man is going to be far more involved as a receiver this time around. Yeah, he's come a long way, and he's really good with the ball in his hand, but he's a good route runner too. And so right now he's been pretty dynamic in practices, Tice. You know, you're there and you see how many plays Marcus is making for him. Really excited to watch him play, and he's a very intelligent player as well. Guy I'm really excited about at the uh, receiver spot in his third year now in the program, and he certainly looks the part, and he brings a dimension that the Miners really don't otherwise have at that position, and that size right. is Jeremiah Ballard. Are we starting to see the maturity uh, kicking in with him? Yeah, he had a great practice today. He made some big-time catches today at practice, and he just is learning how to – because he's, very he's again, one of those super intelligent guys, but he's learning how to use that size and speed that he has – um, because he's two, you know, 210 plus pounds, and uh, you know, tall, six two and a half. But he plays; he's playing to that size now. And uh, there was a maturity, you know, part for all of these young guys, right? He was a freshman last year, now he's a sophomore, and we're looking for him to have a really big year for us. Amari White is a guy you redshirted yeah. a year ago, and now he's ready to go. Same thing. Magar- Amari's a big guy too. He's got really good size to him, and, and but he's got surprising speed, you know. And he's had some big catches this. This fall showing off his speed, and, and I love what Amari does. So he's just going to get better and better for us, too. And you've got Justine Clark, right. uh, Lucas Flores, and some others uh, battling for some playing time. Yeah, and, and Justin Clark has had a really good camp towards the end of camp. I'm excited to watch him play. And then Lucas Flores was having a great camp, was really pushing another local product, and he's tweaked his knee a little bit. But it's something minor, and Lucas should be back within two or three weeks. But he had a, a really good camp for us. So it's kind of fun to see some of these local guys that people haven't heard about that are really stepping up in our program. All right, well, let's step aside, take a break. We'll come back. We'll switch you over to the defensive side of things. Pepsi is the official beverage sponsor of UTEP Minor Athletics. We're at Hudson's Grill talking UTEP football, 1770 Lee Trevino. From Van Wagner, this is UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Miners getting set to head to Jacksonville, Alabama for the very first time in Saturday's uh, season in Conference USA opener against the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State. Again, coverage begins at 2.30 this Saturday right here, 600 ESPN El Paso with the uh, Longhorn Distributing Countdown to Kickoff Show. Not only can you listen here on 600 ESPN, but uh, wherever you go, you can download the UTEP Miners app to your phone and take the Miners with you wherever you go. And we'll have that broadcast uh, for you as well. Nice to see my broadcast partner, former Miner wide receiver Cole Freitag, 
here enjoying the program tonight. Cole, good to see you. And Cole will be Mike's side with uh, yours truly in Mondo Medina this coming Saturday from Jacksonville, Alabama. want to remind you that Tropicana Homes is an official sponsor of the UTEP Miners. Tropicana Homes, El Paso's most trusted home builders since 1950. And, of course, Pepsi is the official beverage sponsor of UTEP Athletics. We're going to talk about the defense in just a moment. We'll talk about uh, Miners on special teams. We'll get to Jacksonville State. But I do want to talk about first couple of home games after the Miners play in Jacksonville this uh, coming Saturday. They'll return home for their home opener, the 60th year of play in the uh, Sun Bowl Stadium on Saturday, September 2nd, a 7.05 kickoff. It's Hall of Fame weekend as the Miners induct their latest class into the UTEP Athletics Hall of Fame. But we all remember last season when the Miners opened up with a conference game against North Texas in the Sun Bowl Stadium and the sellout crowd in attendance. And the Miners are shooting to sell out their first two home games again in 2023. Yeah, that really helps, you know, and the guys really enjoy having a big crowd at the game. We know how important that is to have a big crowd and how important it is for our players to see everybody there cheering them on. So I encourage everyone to come on out. And there's new turf on the Sun Bowl, right, Tice, which is really cool. And uh, we've got to get down there and do some workouts on it during the summer after it got put in, and it looks even better when you get down on the field and get to do that. So we're very proud of the Sun Bowl. It's really a cool thing that's recognized across the country um, and something that all of our fans should come out and, and support the Miners and see us play those two home games, one against Incarnate Word, which is a tribute to the 88 team. And we got some jerseys that we're going to wear, some pretty neat jerseys for that. Tysh as well for that game. And then, of course, the next game is, is, is a big game because it's a game against a mountain, a, a former Mountain West or a Mountain West team, right, which is, you know, a big, always a big game for us. 80s night on Saturday, September the 2nd. Uh, the 88 Miners again will be back to take their uh, spot into the UTEP Athletics uh, Hall of Fame. GECU will be sponsoring that game, so spend your Labor Day weekend with the Miners. Visit utepminers.com or call 915-747-UTEP for your UTEP uh, tickets starting at just $15. And even better yet, why not get your UTEP football season tickets today and don't miss a minute of the action in 2023? Not only Incarnate Word and UNLV from the Mountain West Conference, uh, I-10 rival New Mexico State will be coming in in October on a Wednesday. Conference USA heavyweights Western Kentucky and Liberty will uh, conclude the Miners' uh, home schedule for 2023. Season ticket memberships start at just $65. Again, utepminers.com or call 915-747-UTEP for tickets. And we look forward to seeing you in the Sun Bowl Stadium in 2023. All right, let's uh, move over and talk about uh, the UTEP uh, defensive football team. I don't know whether you know this. Last year, the Miners allowed just over 136 yards per game rushing. It was the best performance by a UTEP defense since 1967, Dana, when we were just kids. And I would expect, even though Jadrian Taylor has moved along, even though Kelton Moss has moved along, Miners are going to be a little starchy on that defensive front again in 2023. Uh, I believe so. I believe we're deeper there uh, than we were last year. I think we brought in some really tremendous players to add to the defensive unit. I know we brought in a bunch of good uh, defensive linemen that will add to our depth. There's a couple that got here this summer 
that are adding to our depth right now. Now, they not, might not play early in the season, but they're going to play later, and that's Raekwon Thomas and Beontay Robinson that just look tremendous, but they're not in our top three rota- our three deep rotation right now at the certain positions. But they're really two guys that we really wanted to get in recruiting, but they couldn't come to this summer. So they're going to be a big part of our run game. But I feel like we're much deeper at linebacker, too, Tice, which will help us be a lot better uh, at defending the run game as well. You know, you talked about having done such a wonderful job hanging on, for the most part, to your players. And certainly there are three in particular, I think, on that defense that really could have pulled up stakes and gone elsewhere this summer. And I speak of Prezime Hule, who has become an institution for UTEP uh, football. I speak of Keenan Stewart also up front, and linebacker Tyrese Knight. Right, and all three of them, you know, two of them are from, one of them's from Iowa, right, and one of them's from Florida, right? So there's a lot of teams that were calling on those guys to come play for them closer to home, right? And those guys chose to to stay in our program, you know, and that really says a lot about them, and we're blessed to have those kind of kids that would care enough, and, and our fans need to appreciate those kind of kids that would turn down lots of money to stay and, and the chance to play at Power 5 programs and, and, and choose to stay and play at UTEP. I mean, that's pretty cool for those kids, and, and there's more on that defense, right? I mean, there's, you know, KT Hilton is another guy that right. can play. You know, these, kid, these guys can play for anybody i'm talking ohio state usc they're starting for all those teams kobe hilton you mentioned that uh, at strong safety uh, might have been the best of all of the minor newcomers i think in 2022 yeah he's a tremendous athlete can run has just gotten so much better from last year because it's just understanding of the game you know playing at the high safety and the low safety mixing it up has just got better and better each and every uh, spring practice and fall camp so far. Back up front, uh, Praise is only three sacks away from breaking the uh, career. UTEP uh, record four sacks, and I think he's poised to have maybe his best year as a minor. And Keenan Stewart is as responsible as anyone, tying up blockers, allowing others to go in and make plays for the minors' uh, improved performance, not only last year, but the last three years in, in controlling the opposing running game. Yeah, and he's got himself in really good shape. I really like he's leaned up. He's got himself in the two, you know, low to mid-280s, and I like that weight on Keenan because his ability to change direction is one of his strengths, so I like the way he's performing right now. Tavina Tafuna is healthy and uh, taking his spot along that uh, Miners defensive front. You went into the junior college ranks, and uh, Kadarian Johnson was a big-time recruit, over 300 pounds. Uh, he'll help plug up that running game as well. Yeah, KD uh, was that story I told about KD. He's the number zero at Kilgore, right? And so, the you know, Kilgore's best player everywhere, every year, wears the number zero, right? And so that player has been uh, Kelton Moss, right? And then it's been Mo Westmoreland, and now it was, and it was Kad- Kadarian Johnson. So we've got all three of them. And that's always the guy they think is their very best player at Kilgore. And so it's been, it's really cool to see Canarian because he's a KD, as we call him. He's um, as good as any of the D linemen we got. Boy, has Kilgore College been good for you? Been so good to us. I mean, their head coach and their assistants have just been people that we've known for a long, long time that have just, you know, come in and, you know, they they give us the, the pick of the group, right? 
Sione Tongahua, also inside, has played a lot of football for UTEP uh, the last couple of years. Uh, Jalen Rudolph uh, has played a lot as well. I know you're excited about a kid named Logo Logo Va'a, yeah. who uh, is in his second year in the program and is poised to uh, be a part of that depth this fall. Well, I definitely am, and you pronounce the name so much better than I do, Tyce, so I just leave it to you because that's lo- he's Logo to me, right? But um, yeah, he's Logo's tremendously strong, got lots of ability. I want to go back and hit on Tavita Tavuna. He's practicing at an incredible level right now. We felt like uh, when he got injured and, and hurt his knee two years ago against Rice, he was performing. You know, he was as good of our interior players. He was playing on the same level as Keenan and Kelton. No difference. And he hurt his knee, and then last year he's just coming back off of it. Well, he's playing way better than he ever has right now, so I'm really excited about him. We mentioned praise on the edge behind him. Brighton Thompson, who was a first-year player a year ago, saw a lot of action. And a kid you brought in from the junior college ranks, Chase Bibler. Yeah, Bibbs has done a really good job. And Brighton, I, I don't think we lose anything when Brighton goes in the game because he's just a really, really good football player. You know, and he backs up Praise, but when Praise takes his breaks, uh, Brighton, we don't lose a step there with Brighton coming in. And then Bibbs has come in uh, from Northern California and given us a really solid three. And that's where we have Deontay Robinson coming up through the ranks who's going to be really explosive for us as the year goes along. But right now it's hard for him to grasp everything and catch up to those guys. But his talent level's up with those guys for sure. You mentioned Mo Westmoreland on the other edge, second-year player, saw quite a bit of action a year ago. A kid I know you're really excited about, Kenius Vaughn out of the junior college ranks, and Osiasi Toeli, whom you've converted from linebacker to uh, to an edge rusher as well. Right, that's our three deep over there at that spot. and. Matt Wan's another guy we brought in that's kind of behind those three right now, but he got hurt a little bit in the fall camp. But, uh, you know, I really like Moe's Mo's put on some weight, and he looks really good at that defensive end spot, at our drop end spot, and he's explosive and as twitchy as anybody we've had. And then you got Kanias Vaughn, who just can't be blocked, right? We, we came on to him late last year in recruiting. He didn't play until the last five games of the season for his team and led the league in sacks. With right? 11. With 11. With 11. In five games. Yeah. Yeah, so he's just a hard guy to block. And then, of course, OT's moved in there behind him. Linebacker uh, Tyrese Knight. What can you say about Tyrese Knight that hasn't been said uh, already? He has just been terrific uh, for UTEP over the last uh, three years and, and fortunately, uh, is going to finish up his career as a minor. Yeah, um, what, I, what I'm telling people, the, the scouts that are coming in, is that he's the best linebacker I've ever been around, right? Really? So that's 19 years of of Power 5 football and uh, 22 years of Power 5 football and never been around a better linebacker. You know, we've had multiple ones that have been drafted very, very high, and uh, he's as good a player as anybody that I've been around. James Neal uh, moves in beside him as a uh, starter now in his third year in the uh, program, and I think he's uh, poised and ready to go. Right, and he's super. James is a great athlete, and last year he was, you know, probably our third best linebacker when uh, on our defense when Jerome was healthy. You know, Jerome was the second best, and, and then James was the third best. Well, James decided to redshirt last year because he didn't want to play limited time, and you know, we used him up his games in the first four games special teams. And so he chose to redshirt last year, which is really good news for us because we got him for two more years now. But he's a very, very athletic linebacker for sure. Behind those two, you've got Jerome Wilson Jr., 
who hopefully can stay healthy right. this fall. That's our wish for him. And then a young man named Nate Diamond, who you brought in from the junior college right. ranks. And Jer- Jerome brings so much to our team, and he's just coming back off of his you know, second knee surgery, but he's playing more instinctively, playing even better than he had before. And so now it's just getting that knee right into 100. But once it comes that way throughout the season, he's going to be really, really an important part of what we're doing. And, of course, Nate Diamond, we loved his film at Blinn. He was a tremendous linebacker at Blinn, and he's, having, he's done a great job since he's been here. So that's where I say we've, upped our, we've really upped our depth at that position. In that five-man secondary, uh, we mentioned uh, Kobe Hilton. Mikel Broussard has been uh, in the program now three or four years, and he moves in at free safety. Yeah, Mikel's a guy that we recruited out of Southern Cal, and when we saw his tape, we were really impressed with what he was going to do, you know, his high school tape, and we really knew Mikel had tons of ability, and now he's just matured in the program, and now it's his time to shine, and, and, uh, and he's having a great camp. Some new names uh, behind those two. You've got Lance Russell out of the junior college ranks, uh, Otis Moore out of the junior college ranks, Tyler Williams has been in the program a couple of years now, Trajan Huey and Davis Burns, all right. the same. All those guys are good players, Tyson. They're all guys that we like, and we think we've developed good depth. They're all guys that when we recruited them out, a couple of them out of the junior, three of them, not three of the ones you mentioned, out of the junior college ranks, we really were excited about their film, and they were very active on their film. And then Tyler's come up through the program, and Davis Burns is a very good football player as well, you know. And so we have depth there. The thing about Lance Russell is Lance is just learning. He's one of the guys we brought in this summer. He's 225-pound safety, and you can't block him, right? I mean, our receivers try to crack him, and they, they bounce off of him, right? And uh, his daddy was, uh, uh, you know, rookie of the year in the NFL and a seven uh, and a uh, first-round draft pick and a seven-year veteran. And Lance has got that same kind of genetics. He's just physical and really a good player. Boy, you've had a great battle uh, throughout the spring into the fall at uh, corner, the top four. Our Trez Moore, who was known as uh, Latrez Shelton a year ago, second year back in the program. Tory Richardson, who tore up his knee last year, missed the entire season. His back played for the Miners and played well two years ago. And then uh, Amir Boyd-Matthews, who played the last four games, started three of those uh, last year, along with uh, A.J. Odoms, who transfers in after playing quite a bit uh, at the University of New Mexico. Yeah, um, you know, we'll start with Toy having Toy back. He was, a st- you know, started in our bowl game two years ago. Played really tremendous force as a starter in 2021. Got hurt last fall camp with the Torres ACL. Missed the whole season. Is back having, you know, doing a really good job for us. A.J. Odoms was a guy that we don't do much in the transfer portal, but we went against him at New Mexico. He started on a top 50 defense in the country last year and was a guy you couldn't beat one-on-one, right? We tried to test him the whole game and had no success. And when we were able to get him, it was kind of through a connection. His one of his coaches in high school played for me at Kansas State. So when he went in the transfer portal, he got lots of offers, but we were able through that connection to be able to get him to come uh, to UTEP. And so we're really excited about him. And then Trez and, and Amir are super talented guys that played a lot last year that are now coming into their own even better because they've had another year of experience. So we're extremely deep at, at the corner position. And again, with that fifth defensive back on the field, the Miners call it their uh, nickel uh, you've got uh, two uh, veterans who played quite a bit uh, a year ago, and Elijah Johnson, and also in uh, Josiah Allen. Right, and those two are the same type of player. They're both really quick and aggressive players, and they can play man coverage, which we require out of that position a lot. So I like the I like our depth there, and I think it's important to have depth at that position because they run a lot. And so those two guys, 
you know, are really bringing some things to the table there. And Steph Cameron, who we brought in as well as a JUCO guy this year, uh, as one of our 24 that we brought in at mid-year, um, has had good, is doing good things. So we've got some good depth at the nickel spot. Another uh, that I mentioned, I think a moment ago, and I think I mischaracterized uh, his uh, first name. Uh, it's Oscar Moore. Oscar right. Moore is uh, one of the newcomers that is going to see time in that secondary. Yeah, he's going to play. You know, right now. Oscar's playing nickel, but he's also, you know, really good because uh, his physicality comes into play when he's playing as a, as a high safety, too. So um, right now, again, we're just putting all the pieces of the puzzles together, but we got a lot of depth there and trying to get our best guys in the best positions. Pepsi is the official beverage sponsor of UTEP Athletics. We'll take another timeout. We'll talk uh, special teams very quickly and then get on to the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State when we come back. We are at Hudson's Classic Grill as we get you set for the Miners' season opener Saturday at Jacksonville State. From Van Wagner, this is UTEP Football with Dana Dimmel. Welcome back. First show continues at Hudson's Classic Grill, 1770 Lee Trevino at Treywood. Uh, quick reminder, we're going to have a show next week. We're not sure as to where it's going to be. I can tell you we'll not be here at Hudson's. We'll be back here in a couple of weeks. But uh, the uh, location that uh, we had announced is uh, no longer going to be the location for the show. So keep your ear to the ground. We'll have a show next week, but... Uh, we're not sure as to where it's going to be, so keep plugged in to uh, utepminers.com, to uh, 600 ESPN El Paso, and uh, we'll let you know where the show is going to be. And next week's show will be at 6 o'clock, 6 until 7 o'clock next Tuesday, August the 29th, prior to the Miners' home opener against Incarnate Word. It's the Miners and the Jacksonville State Gamecocks, a first-year Conference USA member. They'll be making their FBS debut Saturday again, 2.30 airtime for the Longhorn Distributing Countdown to Kickoff show right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. And on the UTEP Miners app again, uh, Cole Freitag and Mondo Medina will be joining me to bring you all the action of that game. Before we move on to uh, Jacksonville State, let's talk about uh, the Miners on special teams and one of the areas I think you can get more out of. I, I thought your coverage was pretty good last year. I think you can get more out of your return game on special teams. Would you agree? Oh, agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, to me, our kickoff return scheme has been one that's emulated across the country that we've had for 15 years uh, that I put in at Kansas State 15 years ago, and we're still doing it. So so the, the, the scheme is good. Now our execution has got to get uh, to where it needs to be, and I'm still, I mean, I haven't been happy with the execution of our kickoff return since we've been here, right? So we need to get that back to where to where my expectations are for that. You've got three good athletes that you're going to station back on kick right. and punt returns. Yes. Uh, again, uh, Marcus Bellin, Tyrant Smith's going to be back there, and also Torrance Burgess, and that's who's big, hard to find. It's hard to find. Those are three guys that are really good with the ball in their hand. And, again, the scheme's good, but as all, people always talk about kickoff return, you see it in the NFL, a lot of times it's about the returner, right? And so when we were in the top five in the country in K, kickoff return, 
at K-State was because we probably because we had Tyler Lockett and DJ Reed or multi-year NFL players back there. So we put some more speed, more athleticism back with Marcus and, and, and Tyron and Torrance, and we feel like that's going to add a lot to it as well. Now you hope not to use him a whole bunch this year, but he is a weapon who's gotten better and better and better. And I'm speaking of your punter, uh, Josh Sloan, who I think is one of the very best in all of America. He really is. And, you know, my ideal goal for, for Josh this year is that he just gets lots of rest. You know, we don't use him very <laughs> right. much at all. And uh, he gets to watch and just hang out and have some fun at all the games. But in seriousness, there's nothing wrong with punting sometimes. Punting can be a good thing. And when you do punt, you want to be really good at, at putting the ball in positions to put it at and that's the thing we're looking for josh to do this year is be really really accurate with his punting because we know he's got a cannon for a leg i don't want to jinx him but angelo tejada has been just about letter perfect in his time as the miners long snapper he's back one who is not back and he had a tremendous uh, senior season he was special teams uh, player of the year in conference usa gavin beckley so you go with a red shirt freshman in buzz flabiano and we'll see all-name team, right? Yep. We've already put him on the all-name team. We love that. Um, and he's super talented. So we'll just uh, you're going to have to you know, take the good with the bad. But we're expecting a lot more good than bad with a freshman that's got a really, really strong leg. Now, I know you'd like to be better in the red zone. I, I know I think one of the keys to the year is scoring more touchdowns. Wouldn't you sure, agree? Sure, because our games are always so close, Tyson. And so anytime we can get four over three right, you know, get seven points, then, then it's going to be really important for us to, to get those seven points on the board. So get the touchdowns, get the extra point to convert, and give ourselves four more points in those type of situations. Defensively, create more turnovers, perhaps score off those turnovers, certainly give the offense better field position. Right, and we're just right now that we're hitting some of the things that you and I have talked about, but as good as our defense has been, we can be more disruptive. We can have more sacks. We can have more turnovers. We can create better field position for the offense by doing that because it's all a marriage. The offense, you know, protects the defense, right? So our thing is minimize unforced errors, minimize turnovers, minimize penalties. We know we control the clock. We're fourth in the country last year in controlling time of possession. That's an offensive and a defensive stat. And so now how we can help that is minimize our turnovers on offense and create more turnovers on defense. No question about it. All right, let's move on to uh, Jacksonville State. The uh, Gamecocks, first-year member of uh, Conference USA, moving up from the football college subdivision to the football bowl subdivision. And they've got a heck of a head coach to lead the way for them in, in veteran Rich Rodriguez. Yeah, you know, um, when you study Rich's bio, you know, you talk to Rich. I think he was a head coach at like 27 years old, right? And Rich has, uh, you know, been a head coach. So I think he was a head coach 40-some years ago. It's crazy. He was such a young head coach. And I believe it was at Glenville State, right. if I'm not mistaken. Right. And then, of course, he's been at Michigan and Arizona. West and Virginia. West Virginia. And now at Jacksonville State. And um, he's done a tremendous job there. They had a great season last year. How much do you know? What do you expect from the Gamecocks? I, I think they're going to have terrific skill talent. Yep. If, 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 if they're lacking at all, it might be up front both offensively and defensively and not having had a chance to recruit those caliber of linemen. Well, that's what Rich talks about. You know, he says that's been his hardest challenge. But the thing that they do have is they have two really good defensive ends, number 30 and number 91. They're both guys, uh, Swain and Hardy are their names. They're both guys that are really good players for them. And so they have some really good players there on their front. 
and then they've been able to bring some guys in the transfer portal. But And then on the offensive line, surprisingly enough, they've been really able to bring in some good offensive linemen too. And so I think they're pretty solid up front on both sides. You just don't win nine football games without being a pretty good football team, and they're returning virtually their whole team. They have a seventh-year quarterback in Zion Webb, and he is a weapon with his legs as well as with his arm. Right. He's de- definitely a, a multi-threat quarterback, and and um, he's done some really good things for them at that position and is athletic and, and uh, is a good leader for their offense for sure. And they've got a kid named uh, Smothers who I think is uh, – they've got some transfers. They, they brought in some Division One transfers from all across – the country that uh, certainly will be formidable I yeah think. The, the thing they got right now is they got you know the proximity of northern alabama and all the talent pool that's around that program and so their move up to conference usa they're going to be a, a definitely a team that's going to be you know a very very good team because of proximity and all the talent that's in their area the schedule makers certainly did the miners no favors in 2023 right. scheduling a, a first time FCS and Conference USA opponent in the season opener in week zero. Yeah, and a long trip for us and all the things that go into that, uh, Taj. But like you said, all that needs to do for us is just make us more focused on, on our goal at hand and, and overcome all those things and stay locked into what our job is, and that's to go on the road and get a big road victory, conference road victory to start the season. All right, we're going to take our final timeout. We'll come back with some keys to the game and uh, take you right up until Chihuahua's baseball at the bottom of the hour. We're at Hudson's Classic Grill, 1770 Lee Trevino from Van Wagner. This is UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Pepsi is the official beverage sponsor of UTEP Athletics. Dana, keys to the game. The Miners and the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State. Season opener, week zero on Saturday. Yeah, um, keys to the game for us. Tysha are going to be able to handle the elements of going on the road, handle the trip, the mechanics that go into it. You know, see what the crowd is like there. They could have a really loud crowd or a very big crowd. You just don't know. Being their first game moving up in levels, and so that's going to be important for us to handle all those in, those things that can affect the ball game. And then for us, it's to play minor football, right? And last year when we played minor football, we were playing, we would play really, really good. And so I, it's some of the things that we talked about, Tysh, is eliminate the unforced errors, play physical, and, and do the things we need to do. Dana, it's been fun. Thanks. All the best to the mi- luck to the Miners uh, this coming Saturday. Tysh enjoyed it. Appreciate we'll, it. We'll talk Thanks. to you at 2.30 from Jacksonville, Alabama, this Saturday and next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Stay tuned. Coming up, El Paso Chihuahuas baseball.